Yo, 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 what's up everybody? It's your boy Rain Omega, aka Nonski One. We are here live. Well, it's not gonna be live when y'all hear it, but it's live right now because we both here uh in the studio with my boy Busy Beats. What's up, my brother? How you doing? Hanging in there, man. Uh from the legendary Full Force crew and one of my favorite crews in Las Vegas, people in the sun. Um we'll talk about that here in a minute, man. But uh that's one of the major uh points of this uh this this show, just in general, is to like shed light on the important connections and stuff like that that you make with people in hip hop and and like I say um, I know you personally as well as your crew one of the first people that opened the doors to me when I first moved to Vegas man we'll talk about the church practice era and and all that stuff but uh, let me say on the air thank you for coming down man I know you're real busy so thank you for being here sir well it's a pleasure man thank you for inviting me yeah man I've, I've been having fun with this thing I took a little like a nine month break um, life stuff and you know but whatever but I mean just the how receptive people have been to you know coming down and, and telling their story um, and how important that is man like just every time I sit down with somebody and have a conversation about you know the time the 20 years I've been here and stuff like that is just get that memory lane and of like certain experiences you get to see other people's perspectives, uh, perspectives of like like the freestyle session eight story we've had everybody's got one like uh the one on the queen mary oh yeah yeah everybody's <laughs> got one man and every time i sit down with somebody man we get to talk about that kind of stuff and i think that's important um for anybody who listens and just for people that are coming into hip-hop man to, to appreciate the journey you know yeah, absolutely uh so without further ado man let's jump into it we're gonna go back like jimmy caster says way back back in the time yeah and then if Anybody who know hip hop, y'all just heard those horns kick in, the the just begun horns. Um, so yeah, you uh you were born and raised here in Vegas? Nope. No. Okay. Let's yeah. start with that. Where are you from, sir? Oh, uh, well, I mean, I claim Vegas. I've been here the longest, um, but I moved around a ton as a kid. I was actually born in Casper, Wyoming, but that lasted like six months, and then from there, just whoosh, and moved around just about everywhere. <laughs> Felt like it anyway. I think my wife and I counted it up. It was, uh, but by my 18th birthday, I'd lived in 36 different addresses. Wow. So, had, uh, you know, had my mother. We moved around a lot, you know. And then she married a dude in the military, and then that moved us around a lot. We even lived in... Uh, outside of Frankfurt, Germany on a military base for a little bit when I was a little kid and then moved back to the States, lived in the Southeast, lived in Georgia, lived in South Carolina and then kind of back and forth between this, between, uh, between there and Las Vegas where most of my mother's side of the family was at and my father was still here working too. So just kind of back and forth. So I'd say between Vegas and Savannah, Georgia, uh, Hilton Head Island, South Carolina is where I'd say my, my roots are. Okay. All right. Um, I was thinking about it while you were talking. I was like, I've been here 20 years. It'll be in October. It will be the start of my 20th year. And four years after that, I will have lived equally, if I'm not out of here by then, uh, equally in, in between Akron, Ohio and Las Vegas, Nevada. Cause I, I moved here when I was 24, so October 2004. Which is ironically the same time that I met you because um, for those of y'all who don't remember, we used to have to get it even on the internet. Like there was a thing, it was called the B-Boy World Forum where many beefs 
and friendships were made. Yes. Um, and I was getting ready to move here and like, we talk, I mean, I talk about this with everybody in my generation, but like I had a couple of clips of B-Boys from Vegas. One was Rouse, uh, one was Ben and a couple of the guys from the zoo. And um, I think that might've been it. And maybe I think uh, I knew Roland was here through word of mouth and I was not excited about coming to Vegas in the B-Boy sense because of my quote unquote upbringing. Like I'm, I come from a real church. It's funny th to say it now, like it's not that serious, but like right. back then I was, you know, 24 and I was very uh, close minded about like the, what I thought B-Boying had to look like. Yeah. And uh, it did not look like that here for the most part. Um, but uh, I remember going on the um, the forum like the day or a couple days before I left and um, finding out about the practice, your practice at the church. Uh, so I don't want to jump ahead, but let's talk about like, uh, so you settled in Vegas around what time? So about sixth grade is when I finally came and stayed. And then from there, um, just grew up here and um, discovered, well, I discovered hip hop before when I was actually really little, kind of <laughs> became a, a hip hop nerd at a very young age. All right. Yeah. All right. Because <laughs> I heard this sound when I was like in second grade emanating from the cars, emanating from the houses apartments in my neighborhood and I was like, man what's that you know and I was I was feeling it you know and if I would have known how to break back then I would have started breaking but <laughs> you know I didn't I didn't know what it was and then I found this tape on my mom's stereo you know some I guess some of my stepdad's at the time my stepfather's uh, friends from the military maybe left some stuff or whatever and it was the run DMC tougher than leather album Yo, yes, that's and a good then, first. That's a good first tape. <laughs> yep, and so I uh, I played it, and then I heard the song "Beats the Rhyme," and from then on, I was hooked, hooked. Like I was, you know, other kids wanted to go to the toy store, which I did, of course, but I also equally wanted to go to the record store and find all the tapes that sound like that. Yeah, yeah. And um, then shortly after, surfing through the channels, you know, Ninja Turtles was over or whatever, and then, you know, <laughs> and then stumbled on Yo! MTV Raps. Great show. Hooked, again, hooked. Run home every day after school and watch that show. That or Rap City, found that too. Yo. Yes. Is this like uh, the, um the Joe Claire and Big Les era. So it was actually before Joe Claire, before Joe. Claire, I don't even remember who was hosting it, but I don't either now. Yeah, before, <laughs> before Joe Claire is when I stumbled on Rap City, and um, you know, so just that was my connection to hip hop from when I was a little second grader, third grader, all the way through until I met my uh, my friends in uh, high school that from my neighborhood that that break mm. and then that just kind of pushed me into the scene and you know the rest was history all right, all right. but I do remember um there's two things that kind of stick out from that time and that connect to now and that was number one I like the songs that were very break heavy you right know? right um like one of the first tapes I ever bought or my mom bought for me whatever uh <laughs> was K Solo, you know, Tell the World My Name, I think the name was, but but Spellbound was the song that really, you know, 
stuck out to me and the sample ended up being rated x from earth um cool in the game yeah 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 so uh so that you know that and you know don't sweat the technique by eric b and rakim and like and other stuff they they came out with before like uh we follow the leader like all that break heavy stuff the sampling of james brown the sampling of like a lot of those old funk breaks right right and so that was the sound that i really liked you know i didn't really like anything that was slower i just you know stuck with that yeah so there was that side of it then um they would do old school wednesday on rap city and they played the planet rock video oh yeah yes and when i saw that footage of of rocksteady at lincoln lincoln center I didn't know what it was at the time, of course, but I was, you know, my eyes got like huge and I was like, that, <laughs> that is what I want to do with my life. <laughs> yes. Yeah. But problem was the fact that I was living in Bluffton, South Carolina. It doesn't sound very hip hop. No offense to Bluffton, no, South Carolina. No, none at all. It's, I love that town. I've been back a couple of times, you know, with, uh, with my family, with uh, my wife anyway. And, uh, great town to, to spend your childhood in but there was no hip-hop at least that i know of going on in bluffton south carolina <laughs> so so uh i had to kind of you know just you know, i was like what? the video was over i was like what what i want more of that <laughs> yeah like how do i get that now like yeah and like anytime i would see a video with that on it like the clones video from the roots or from uh or the resurrection video for, with a common, common like yeah. any, like any, anytime I saw breaking, like I just got hype, you know? Yeah. And so anyway, um, that was kind of my introduction to hip hop. That's how I stayed kind of a fan and kind of fell in love with it all the way until I was actually able to participate and be around it. Right. Right. So, yeah. And that's, um, you know, it's interesting, like to come from, and I always had to like, I, I typecast it that way for people that, cause we live in the information age now. You can really like, literally we could be watching breaking here. We oh, could be yes. watching graffiti here. It could be some dudes, but like if that's why we had mixtapes and really video mixtapes. If you think about it, like we would, when rap city would come on or UMTV raps or the box, which I don't know if y'all had the box out here, but it was an East coast, uh, video hip hop show that came on real late at night. And only on like the weirdest channels. So like you would have to A, know what channel it was on, know when it was on, and be ready to like record it. And you would have your favorite videos. Like I had video mixtapes of all those, like, you know, like um, all the Roots videos, Red Man, any like we could go down the list because you never knew when you was gonna see that again. Like not like it was like you would never see it, but the chances of you catching it at the right time because there would be multiple videos in rotation on these shows and just the hypeness that came from. And that's another reason why I want to get into the project that I'm going to start trying to do now is because like, there, not that we're losing the connectivity between all these things in hip hop. But for me, that was all the same vibe. Like the music that was hype got me hype. Oh, no. I got the bubbles. Um, videos that had hype stuff in it like company flow and the end burners anytime that company flow video came on with the graffiti arrows and the it was all just so dope that like i those all those puzzle pieces went together to me so like like you say i mean i'm from akron ohio which is i don't know about bluffton south carolina size wise comparatively but there wasn't a ton of hip-hop in akron and i mean i didn't really get introduced to the culture 
until I was probably almost, well, I was probably 16, 17. So I was almost out of high school. Same thing. But, like, I can remember as a kid, like, staying up late to record. Uh, I don't remember the name of our local hip-hop uh, show, but I remember it was Friday night, and you would record the track, you know, and you had to stop it before the announcer. You know what I mean? Like, like I don't want the announcer to come talking over my record and and watching videos, man, and that was it. And so, like, a lot of people will say similarly, like, I know Stingray said something about it. I remember Art Sun said something about it. Probably a lot of people have the experience of, like, that was how you learned what you learned. Whatever little spin, if you had it, or a little shuffle that you had, you got from the Planet Rock video or watching the New York City Breakers at the Olympics or just little bitty, and you would have to just watch that a million times and do it a million times of what you thought they was doing. So I can definitely identify with that experience, man. So uh, you said you met some guys in your neighborhood and then the game was on. So let's talk about that a little bit. Yeah, so my about eighth grade year, I met um, my homie Carlos and, uh, you know, just a couple of goofy kids growing up over there by, uh, by UNLV. And... You know, we sparked a friendship, and then he brought my homie, uh, my homie Walter, uh, maybe a year later, met, and we all had kind of a similar sense of humor, and we were all kind of, you know, because I was never, like, into, like, a thug vibe or this, you know, try to be a tough guy. We were just all, you know, just a bunch of fun-loving dudes and crack jokes, whatever, and we were all kind of on that same wavelength. So, you know, I'm just... Being a kid, you know, I start playing football, whatever, and uh, next thing you know, I find out that they started breaking. I remember I went to my friend Walter's house. It was about my freshman, sophomore year of high school, and he had the uh, Hanover Nonsuch Ultimate B-Boy Session tape on. You know, Ivan was on that one. Wicket was on that one. Um, he had a bunch of dope. German b-boys you had a uh, C's from Australia on that video and again it was like when I saw the planet rock video just my eyes got like five times bigger and I was like yo that and I was like how did you get this like, right like where, where? <laughs> like, you can actually find these tapes and like and yeah VHS tape by the way and uh gosh sounds so crazy saying that right <laughs> That's and that's that's like if you think it wasn't about YouTube, it, it was VHS tape. And oh in terms gosh. of media, that's four generations of media ago. Like VHS to DVD to Blu-ray to now streaming. Everything is streaming. Like I can't remember the last time I had a physical copy of anything in my house. Yeah. So, yeah, man, it's crazy. Yeah, <laughs> it's not. So he's like, "You want to borrow it?" I'm like, "Uh, yeah." Like, <laughs> so I watched that tape every single day. Like, I think I borrowed it at the end of September or end of football season that year. And then like watched it every day all the way until Christmas break. Mm -hmm. Like <laughs> I wore that tape out. Yeah. And, uh, and so Christmas break comes around and we're just hanging out my, my homie Walter's house. And he has like this little small one car garage and then he rolls out the, the linoleum and my homie Carlos looks at me and he's like, Hey man, you want to learn? And I'm like, you didn't ask me this before the first time right like, <laughs> it's like come to find out they've been breaking for like you know eight months before that mm. and so i was just like I, yeah of course and so you know i learned so i learned a little top rock learned a little uh you know a little footwork and i was just hooked 
And then they said, hey, there's a jam coming up on Christmas Day, Christmas Hip Hop Fest uh, 98. And they're like, you want to go? Uh, I've been waiting 10 years for this moment. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> for real. So I went and, uh, you know, I, I felt like I was home when I walked in that door. Because the music that was being played, you know, it was what I had initially fell in love with. Because at that time, you know, 98, because when I first fell in love with hip hop and you'd watch your own TV raps and Rap City, like you, that was when the underground and the mainstream had like a really strong connection still. Yeah. And, you know, you still had like your gatekeepers and all that stuff. And, and then, but eventually, you know, after, you know hip-hop changed and i didn't i didn't connect with that sound i'm not gonna say it was whack or this or that i mean that's it's all expression and you know i'm not gonna touch on that too much but it just wasn't a sound that i connected with yeah and they were rapping about things that i didn't really connect with either and so when i walked in that door and i heard eric b and rakim oh yeah i heard you know the they would play the breaks of the songs that I recognized that I loved. And they even played a joint from the K solo album that I mentioned before. <laughs> That's how I really knew. I was like, yup, this is home. Y'all know about K solo too. Okay. Yeah. I can mess with y'all. And he wasn't even like the best MC. It's just the tape that I had the longest. Yeah. You know, and yeah. I, st I still have it in a little tape case, whatever in my room. That's but, tight. Yeah. <laughs> but, but yeah, and I was like, yep, this is home. I saw breaking going on on the floor. You know, I'd only been breaking for like three days, so I didn't even dare step on the floor. But, yeah. you know, pe you know, names that, you know, I know now and people I know, like, they just seem like these, they seemed 10 feet tall. Mm -hmm. You know, walking in there the first time, like all these, you know, you know, come to find out they're all like <laughs> up to my neck. Five feet tall. <laughs> yeah. But they, man, they just seemed larger than life, man. And, you know, I was, I was hooked from that point, man. I thought it was the coolest thing ever, almost to a fault, just because I thought everybody else, like literally everybody else would think it was the coolest thing ever. But, you know. Apparently, <laughs> yeah. Apparently, yeah, yeah, yeah. And so, that's so bizarre, like, you know, uh, to interject. I, I always say this about breaking. Like, I saw this clip of a BMX rider the other day, right, on Instagram. He went off the ramp, high, you know, like the long jump ramp. He did a flip, and a bike did a flip the other way, and he caught it in the air and landed. And I was like, yo, that's insane. But it's still not crazier than the craziest thing I've seen a B-boy do. And I say that not to compare or, like, you know, like talk down on nobody's stuff, because I'm, I'm sure it took him hundreds of hours and tons of crashes, broken bones, blood, sweat, and tears. But, like, I don't think on this earth, physically, aside from maybe, like, top-level Shaolin Kung Fu masters who can eat spears and breathe fire, that there is anything messing with breaking. Like, and that's, and I mean, not just the core spirit of breaking, but, like, looking at, like, a 13-year-old kid from Russia. Them videos that, like, we circulate, like, people circulate, and I'm like, that make me mad. <laughs> but it's also, like, a human is doing something that's... So, like, to, to comment on what you were saying, like, when people don't, like, love it how I love it, I'm like, what's wrong with you? Right. <laughs> like, no disrespect. No, I was, but. Yeah, I was right there at the time. But the other worst part was the fact that I was n a new breaker. <laughs> and, you know, <laughs> and, you know, and, you know, everybody that, that breaks knows that that first, those first few years are rough. Yes. But the problem was, I thought 
everybody else was going to think it was the coolest thing after they saw me do it, which <laughs> as a new breaker is not how it's going to go. Yeah, especially in a room with other b-boys or breakers, man, like, because there's no dividing line. Right. You're either in the pool or you're out of the pool. Right. So. Yeah, and I don't know. I didn't really feel like I was in the pool until, um, you know, mid-2000s. Mm. Uh, but. You know, so, so yeah, and then just practice, you know, four or five times a week. And after that, divided my time between football and breaking um, growing up, you know, because I was a pretty decent football player and, you know, I was really gunning hard for that. But breaking just, I don't know, lack of better words, man, stole my heart, you know. Yeah. It just, you know, and even <laughs> I feel bad because. You know, coming into my, I had a better season in football my junior year than my senior year because between junior and senior year, I did the most breaking. Yeah. <laughs> and I came back, I came back to to football lighter. Ah. Because <laughs> like the other years I'd gone up, you know, 220, 230, 240. And then I came back 215. And, <laughs> and, I, was and I was supposed to be playing defensive line. <laughs> So, so yeah, he's getting pushed around a little yeah, bit. Yeah, yeah. No, actually, my, my coach started bringing me these humongous meals. My D-line coach started bringing me these humongous meals that, I, like, for a teenager to say, to look back, to look back as a teenager and to say, like, those were hard to finish is saying a lot. Yeah, because I used to could eat. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And, you know, I had to finish. He's like, if you don't finish this by the end of the day, you're doing extra conditioning. You know, and I'm like, all right. Yeah. And so, and you definitely listen to that coach. Cause he was like, you know, Vietnam veteran, army ranger, like all that, you know? And so he was like, yes, sir. <laughs> <You know? laughs> yeah, yeah. Yep. I'll do that. So, so anyway, yeah. Like, uh, you know, I guess breaking stole from a budding football career or something. I don't know, mm -hmm. but that was where my heart was at. And that's what I stuck with. And, you know, and the other thing too, is I met my, who would become my wife. Uh, kind of during that span of time as well and we also we shared the same love for hip-hop and we also went to the same church that's what's up yeah what's and up. so like i i didn't think anybody in any congregation of my church was was breaking or like as down with hip-hop i guess um as i was back then but sure enough you know, I go in for our, you know, Wednesday night activity and I, I, uh, see actually this, it was a bunch of kids from a different high school that had a bunch of, you know, members of the church to, there to play basketball. Um, at, you know, if you don't know, like at the Latter-day Saint churches, there's usually a basketball court and it's got a nice wood floor and all that. And so, you know, people would come through and play basketball, but one of them brought their little brother who was uh, Crow, George. Yo! Yeah, yeah. And I was just like, yo, who's this skinny kid here? And I see him bust just the cleanest swipe, windmill, head spin. Like, yo! It's like, hey, man, you bust? It's like, yeah. And so we're like, hey, let's session, you know? And so, you know, same church that we had the church practices, so we had the stage, whatever. And so we went up there, practiced. And then next thing you know, these uh, this girl walks in with other people dressed in Adidas and shell toes and I oh know it was like the <laughs> it was like the perfect like stereotypical uh you know breaker but uh, and tribal shirts from back then oh yeah yeah <laughs> yeah and so uh and they're like you know and they had the boom box in their hand I was like they are not here to break 
And then I, you know, talked to him. I was like, "Yep, they're here to break." They're here to break. So I was like, <laughs> "So then it was, it was just, you know, me and me and her just hit it off right from there." So I don't. Know, I guess what I'm trying to say is, my hip hop journey is almost kind of like a love story. <laughs> it really kind of is, man. Hip hop, a love story. And shout out to your wife, by the way. Yeah, um, man. She's awesome, and she was always dope too, Mike. Yeah, yeah. yeah she, she was fresh. Really, yeah, she had really clean footwork. Um, she applied some of her you know, martial arts dedication and ability to like drill a move, like her forms. Uh, Cause she's also, you know, uh, she's actually a Tang Soo Do instructor now, but she's been uh, doing that for 30 something years now. Yeah. Teaching our kids. And so, so that's going really, you know, so she applies a lot of that to her, to her break and a lot of that same mentality. And uh, so, so yeah, we met, we were breaking all the time, you know, we were breaking with a lot of my friends from the neighborhood. We were, you know, we had a lot of mutual friends in the scene. She kind of um, hung out with, um, she kind of like, she knew a lot of the guys from Rock Skittle. One of my homies from the neighborhood was Clue from Rock Skittle. Oh, word. Yeah. And he was, one, he, I say he was the first one that kind of plugged me into like the rest of the scene and like actually get to know some of the other people in the scene. like like Flo Rock and Stingray. And um, I remember one time just randomly we had uh, Cheryl. <laughs> oh, snap. Yo. Yeah. yeah, we had Cheryl come through to, to like to the homie's apartment that he, you know, cleared out all the furniture and we were just sessioning. And, uh, you know, but she was, I mean, God, I don't know, like, again, she seemed like 10 feet tall at the time. You know? Right, right. You're like, yo. Yeah. <laughs> all these, you know, dance giants around me and, you know, now I, I, you know, we talk to her, you know, and I always say what's up to her wherever I see her. And, you know, it was just, you know, it was just really, it was a trip to finally get kind of plugged in. Yeah. But then, uh, so, you know, that, that continued for a little bit, you know, being young in the scene, you know, knowing a few people, but, you know, just starting to battle, starting to get out there, you know, starting to develop a style. You know, I leaned a little bit more towards, towards the style, you know, top rock footwork. And, um, and then I went on my mission to Venezuela for my church and spent two years there. Yeah, you were in the Maracaibo? Yep, Maracaibo mission. Yeah, yes, sir. I remember hearing stories about yeah, that. Yeah, well man. said. Yeah, well, well pronounced. Hey. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so, so, yeah, I did that and, um, you know, spent two years there. It was great. People were great. Um, great experience. And I actually, when I was in uh, in the mountains in San Cristobal, I ran across some breakers. Like, just, you know, because they'll have uh, the towns there, they'll usually have, like, a, a little mini, mini soccer court slash basketball court. Right. And just, like, a community thing. And sure enough, you know, you, I saw some kids throwing down, and they were legit. Like, they had some clean windmills. This other kid, he had, like, a clean flare windmill flare. And, you know, and so, of course, I had to go talk to him and... You know, and of course, my mindset at the time as a missionary was, you know, try to try to convert them. But, you know, yeah, yeah. you know, just you know, we taught them a few times. But but anyway, like we, we made but we made that connection over over hip hop. And, um, you know, I got to throw down a little bit. And uh, so, you know, I, I I knew that and I felt like, you know, I, this is going to be part of my life, you know, afterwards, because, you know, when I was that age and in Venezuela, and kind of, you know, and I was also a little bit unsure whether this would be something that, you know, was compatible with my church service. Yeah, yeah. You know, but the fact that, 
you know, almost, almost like a sign, I guess you could say, you know, that, yeah, this is cool. You should do this. Yeah. You know? Yeah. And so I was like, all right. So I stuck with it, got home and just started, picked right back up. You know, first thing I wanted, well, other than have Mexican food, cause they didn't have that in Venezuela ah. <laughs> or not a lot anyway. But, uh, other than have some Mexican food was I wanted a break. So after I got back, boom, hit the ground running. Um, my wife still, well, at the time my girlfriend, but then later wife, she's, she was still down to break. And so we just, we'd still practice. We'd still hang out. We'd still, you know, go, to, we found any jam we could and we stuck with it. Isn't that like, and that's like in a nutshell, just that little chunk of story is what hip hop, in my opinion, is all about. Like here you are, you know, on a, on a, uh, a you know, missionary service, thousands of miles away from your house in a random place with a random uh, uh, hoop court and you look over to your left and it's some dudes breaking. Yep. And it's like, oh, that's hip hop right yeah, there. Like this, this town where I saw it, and I saw it there and I saw it in a town like further up into the mountains. And it's just mountains, jungle, goats, few houses, goats, <laughs> and then basketball slash mini, mini soccer court. And then there's some dudes breaking. Like it was picturesque, man. It was, yeah. it was really cool. That's one thing that's so dope, man. And, uh, I mean, and you know, side note, what we talking about and like you coming back and getting back into the, the scene and doing more breaking and you know, your wife, uh, break in and we bro, we, we had a cypher at your wedding. You know what I yep. mean? We ciphered <laughs> at your wedding in church or in, you know, in dress clothes, yes, we, we kicked it at your wedding. So that's, yes, like, I remember this that. is, this is really one of the most hip hop dudes I know, man. Like, and I'm not even saying that to be funny, but it's like, yeah. If you are hip hop, you going hip hop wherever you are. Like, and that's, I think a lot of people probably think it's bizarre, but like when you look at it again, you're like, yo, like this is part of who I am. This is yeah. part of who I am. Like you see pictures like, and he's the king. I get, I'm going to talk to him about it soon, but Rufio, he's a uh, flight attendant. Yep. I saw it's that. A, it, he just, love that. Thing, he hit man. a freeze in, in like Switzerland or he's on a freeze with, but it's like, I don't know. It's just something about this part of me or this part of us that you like, it's as natural as like whatever their kind of pose, you know, like, oh, wait, here I am. Like, I remember, I forget where I was, but uh, the crew was in Korea at the time and I was in Baltimore and there's a, a, a monument to the Korean War. And um, so there's a map of Korea and I did a baby freeze on it and sent it to them because they were in Korea at the time. That's just the interconnectivity of hip hop. And I was salty, I couldn't go to Korea. So I'm like, well, it's basically like I'm right there with y'all, <laughs> you know, so. Yeah, man. And, uh, yeah, so and it's, and it's cool to find out that now, like some of the some of the best b boys in the world are from, you know, Korea, and also thinking about Venezuela too. Yeah, you know, you got Lil G, and you know, you got a bunch of other guys that are coming up or have come up from there, and it's dope, man. Yeah, Lil G's insane, and it goes to to illustrate the spirit of hip hop in the sense of like you don't need nothing to get down. All you have to have is the love for the culture. And the want to get down, like we, like you said, your homeboys moving furniture, or we're gonna do it at the park. We're gonna do it. We used to do like we used to go downtown to the main bus station because we didn't have nowhere to break. But there was like a little se section right there. And like, if you really love this thing, it, it'll come out. Oh, yeah. And now, I it. I, I'm not familiar too much with Venezuela, but I know there, are, like you say, there's some parts of Venezuela where they might not even have running water, but yeah, you can get a cipher in. Yeah, it is really bad there right now. 
Uh, matter of fact, most of my friends that I made there have, have left, like, most, you know, all over South America. Some are in Spain. Some are actually here, which is fortunate because I've been able to reunite with. I saw that. That was so dope. Yeah. And, uh, yeah, it's just really cool to, to hang out with them and, you know, uh, kind of reminisce. And, yeah, I mean, you know, it's just an awesome experience seeing them again. But, unfortunately, it's because they had to leave. You the know? conditions, yeah. You know, so... Mm-hmm. Not to get too uh, off into the mix, but I think it's something that we need to be mindful of also, just as a, as people of like everybody, even when I say, oh, this sucks or whatever, like everybody don't got, got it like we do. Yeah, absolutely. You know, like I ain't, I haven't been somewhere without the internet in I don't know how many years. I came in here, I pulled my little laptop out. I'm like, oh, wait. And then I was like, but I'm in the library. There's internet. You know, like, and I'm not taking away from anybody's struggle to struggle in here in, in the U.S. Because, like, I see people sleeping on the street. I see yeah, a lot no, of, you absolutely know. absolutely not. But, like, collectively as a society, we have, we have a pretty good thing going. So, like, it's a blessing, man. And to, like you say, people that have to leave where they are from, where their culture is, where their history is, because it's unlivable. Not because, not, I mean, maybe because they want an opportunity to a better life, like a lot of people that immigrate to the United States. But also because some places are literally unlivable. Yeah. And that's, that's something I really connected with from my time in Venezuela because I spent quite a bit of time in some, in some pretty poor areas, you know, with dirt streets and people with dirt floors and, you know, I wouldn't dare step foot in there without, you know, my missionary name tag on there or anything, you know. Matter of fact, when we went back and visited, you know, we had to bring like the whole gang, like, you know, fifth, rolling, you know, 20 deep yeah. through some of these neighborhoods. Um, but, you know, opening my eyes to why, say, my Mexican side of the family left Mexico. Yeah. You know, why they searched for better opportunities. And knowing what we have in the United States, it's not perfect. Absolutely not. <laughs> I am by no means saying that. It is. Right. But it is better in certain aspects, in economic aspects, and in the, you know... Um, well, then, say, parts of Mexico or parts, and definitely Venezuela right now, at least. So I really got to connect with that and see, you know, why my father left Mexico and, right. and came to the States. Yeah. So, and in turn, getting that connection with my Mexican side and kind of what, where I grew up and connecting with the other Latinos in my neighborhood and you know my friends and why their families left wherever they were from and so it really gave me that that perspective yeah man it's a a nice uh heaping helping of gratitude absolutely you know absolutely um and so okay so we get back to the hip-hoppityness of it but you know you back here what what around what time frame did you come back I know you had 2000 April 2004 is when I came back right before I got here yeah perfect time (laughs) yep so, yeah, and so at the time, I guess my wife's uh, mother had a calling in the church where she got to have a key. So, we're like, hey, um, can we uh, use the key and session at the church? And, you know, she was cool with it. And, you know, luckily we're responsible enough. So, you know, it was just really it was just me and her at first. And then after that, you know, I got hooked in with uh, People of the Sun. Yo, yo. My, yeah, yeah. So my wife and I were just walking down the strip you know, just, uh, on a date night, you know, um, and it's by, so I think we parked at like the showcase mall and they used to have the movie theater there. 
and you know we walked up to like towards the Paris and whatnot and from the Hawaiian marketplace we hear James Brown oh yeah I'm like okay who is playing this on the strip because you don't hear this on the strip no no and out loud and outside and so we're like all right let's go check this out so we go over there and sure enough you know Lars Adrian yo James Nico all those guys were, were getting down and we're like and of course again I got that feeling you know my eyes got big I'm like that yeah 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 but by now I'd actually been practicing you know I had some decent top rock decent footwork and I had my little uh <laughs> Uh, B-Boy Steve from Knuckleheads calls it the air sofa. <laughs> <laughs> so I had the air sofa going on. I had it a lot cleaner back then because I was younger and more more nimble. But anyway, so, you know, I come over there and they're all busting. I'm like, hey, can I get down? And I can't remember who I said that to. Like, yeah, yeah. So busting my top rock. They had, you know, James Brown going on. And, you know, I was found the groove, busted the air sofa. And, <laughs> you know, when you see, when you see, you see like a 250 pound dude bust an air chair you know it's like what you know yo and used to stick it too yeah. like boom yep yeah it's crazy so then so, that so that's pretty much just how i got in with uh people of the sun just uh, started hanging out with them after that and invited them to start coming to the church and um i'd go over with them too when they practice up at their you know 24-hour fitness up in summerlin and uh so yeah that's how i got uh, hooked in with them and did some you know went to the jams with them and all that and you know finally got battled into to people of the sun and i think it happened at the church if i remember right but but yeah so that's that's how we all got hooked in which is a good segue because i wanted to talk about them like i say one of my favorite crews uh one of one of the nicest and friendliest most open-hearted crews in vegas but um I, like I said, I came in October uh, 2004, and the church practice was significantly bigger than uh, it was like one of these spots, man. Like, I mean, yeah. it was like Switzerland. Every, because, you know, like, even at that time, you know, for those people who are not familiar with, well, like, B Boys were a competitive group of people, right? So, and especially like the way I came up is if I didn't know you, I didn't have nothing to say to you if we was breaking. I come in to jam, or if I go to a party, or a, a, a anywhere and it's b-boys there that i didn't know it wasn't like a, oh hey what's up man how's it going shake your hand kind of thing it was a with a grill on your face and i'm calling you out like i and, and like it, it was fun but like looking back i'm like okay that's a bit much you know what i mean like we was but going to the church was one of the few places and times where you knew it was going to be all love i mean there was some little scuffles and static not scuffles like actual fights but like a little static and like little attitudes a lot of it probably came from me um, but, but, um, you know, like all the crews would be there like full force would be there. We were there before we were a crew, you know, like I know Guillaume and ATN and uh, Jafokes was actually the person, the first person that brought me to that practice. Uh, that was my, um, that was my segue into Vegas hip hop was coming. I met Jafokes, um, at the Boulevard, Boulevard mall. And, um, and then all the crews, man, I know zoo used to come there. Rouse used to come there. Um, I'm going to miss somebody and that makes me sad. Uh, homegrown. Everybody. <laughs> everybody used to come there. Uh, and, and it was always a good time. And you could, you could build and you could grow. And, you know, like, that was, again, one of, the, one of the things I keep saying is the spirit of hip-hop. But, man, like, the, the inclusiveness of, like, oh, you get down? Like, okay. You know, after a while, it's, you know, 
it's a it's a good time. It's a good place. Yeah. So you got down with people with the sun. <clears throat> you were hosting the church practice church practices. I think it was on Wednesdays. If I'm, one of one of the times it was on Wednesdays. Yeah, it switched a few days. Wednesdays, Mondays, back to Wednesdays. But but yeah, it was always good. Yeah, and I I mean I don't even remember how more and more people started coming. I think people that were kind of kicking it with people of the sun and practicing with you know James or with um, with Lars and them or with Vincent. You know, they we invite them, and then they invite more people, and then it just kind of grew from there. Yeah. And you know, as long as people kept it respectful, you know, you know, the church is a place where I've done a lot of healing. So, you know, people and people for the most part, man, everybody respected it. You know. Yeah. yeah. And you know, I really appreciate that. You know, I, that's something I look back on. That was that was big. You know, to have people come in, you know, use the spot you know, build there, you know, make their friend, make friendships there, connect, or just, you know, just enjoy it. And then also respect it. And not tear nothing up. Not Nobody nothing stole up. nothing. You yep. know, like, yep. hey, no, you know, cause we, and not like, I, I don't want to blame it on hip hop, but I know that as a collective, we have been known to be a rambunctious group of individuals. Right. Like, if I have to get on the mic and tell you not to color on the mark, not to put marker on the mirror in the bathroom <laughs> because you don't know no better, you know, it's like, yeah. it was never nothing like that. Yep. That I, that I knew of. And I mean, I wasn't privy to all yeah, the details. I mean, but. yeah, you had every now and then you'd have maybe somebody from out of town who didn't really understand or, yeah. Um, but that was, I maybe count, I think that was like once or twice maybe yeah and that probably just went on for some years man so. eight years yeah so eight boom. years yep and yeah great times and you know i just remember my first so of course you know meeting my boy clue and then meeting some of the people from rock skittle back then about 98 99 but then also i went to some of the practices at desert breeze yo and got hooked in with a lot of the the people that way met a lot of these people and again eyes wide they all seem 10 feet tall <laughs> you know and then uh so i got kind of hooked in there but that was like right before i you know maybe a year before i left on my mission and then came back and i was like you know that'd be really cool to kind of capture that that vibe again because i was asking about it and apparently they weren't practicing at desert breeze anymore so you know i decided just and it wasn't like a moment I decided, it just kind of evolved and I just wanted to, you know, invite more people and had the thought in the back of my mind, like, hey, you know what, that'd be cool to have something like Desert Breeze, you know? Yeah, yeah. Where people could connect and, you know, the scene can build together. And I, I think those are some really good times for, for our community, you know? Oh, yeah. I mean, myself, like I say, and, and even back then, like when I was a, um, I was significantly harder to get along with than I am now, but... Uh, I always had a good time there, man. And it was a place, like I say, you could go um, and you, you know, you could get down how you got down. Some people went there just to, you know, like to, everybody doesn't quote unquote train. Some people, like we would run laps. Some people was jumping ropes. Some people yep. do pushups. <laughs> Some people just want to come and break a little bit. This might be their day to break. You know what I mean? Like, and it was okay for everybody to do everything. And, and yeah, like as far as it uh, pertains to the history of the Las Vegas uh, hip hop and the b-boy scene and, and like I think a lot of like you said relationships and quote unquote careers or whatever however you want to say it were fostered there because I know a lot of people started there and a lot of people who had just started went there and now they you know they go on to bigger and better things and not better things but you know 
branching out and evolving as as artists or dancers or some people got into music and you know a lot of different stuff came from that spirit that that, that we had being there so yeah yeah and i have to, i don't want to take too much credit for anything again it was just something that kind of evolved on its own and you know if anything i just had the key and if you came and if you were respectful you know cool but yeah i, did, I definitely want to don't want to take too much credit you know yeah because the scene did that right you know right the scene came there and showed up and respected and even if there was that static like you said you know they kind of put that left that at the door yeah and they mm-hmm. uh you know they just got down and created a good a good vibe yeah i like that and, and i think um i think that's important you know like and it's funny because it was at a time like if you look at if you look at now culturally i don't i mean here in vegas but just as a whole there's a larger level of inclusiveness and acceptance for people from different backgrounds, the way they look or the way they dance or what they're into, you know, and it wasn't always like that. And to have a place like that in a time frame where it wasn't categorically like that for hip hop, you know, so, um, yeah, man, like, I mean, and it took me a while to get used to the way things are now. Mm-hmm. You know, as opposed to trying to be that old crotchety hater. <laughs> well, on my day, you, you got to do it like that. And oh, man. I don't want to be that dude because that takes away from yes. the culture. Yeah, you absolutely. Know? Letting it, because, I mean, it's, it's bigger than us. It's bigger than any one person. And it's going to evolve and change and shift on its own. Yeah. It's, you know, it's like a, almost like a river, you know. It, it'll follow the terrain it'll flow where it flows and it'll, you know, eventually meet with the ocean and become part of the overall big picture. Yeah. So, and that, you know, and there was a time when I was kind of like that, mostly with music. Right. Right. (laughs) Cause like I was so, you know, hardcore into the underground and it's like, nah, man, it has to sound like it did back in 92 or whatever, you know, but um, especially since I've had to DJ like all style battles and everything, I've really had to open my mind. Yeah. Cause I really did not have a taste for a lot of what became popular after, you know, 94, 95, 96, which is a long time. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I think about it. Like, mm. it's like, cause a lot, you know, it takes me a long time to warm up to like a lot of the, the new sounds. So, you know, I've really had to, so through music and through something that something really simple that kilowatt steve told me he said let the kids play yeah shout out to steve man i haven't i haven't i haven't had any contact with steve in a minute yeah me neither and uh uh, shout out to danny boy too Uh, yes yeah yes and yeah much much love to those brothers for for putting me on and uh including me in some of their projects um saw Danny Boy getting down with uh, Charlie Chill Out at the the rock dance sessions they have. When was this? Yo, this was yeah, so Charlie Chill Out was doing a rock a rocking session and I saw Danny Boy and um numbers. No. Gosh, who's Cold Chris? Yes. Yeah, I saw there. Cold Chris on there. Yeah, yep. I've I've been meaning to go there but my work schedule was janky. Uh but and this Thursday is the last one. At that studio. Oh, so I don't know if they're going to keep going elsewhere, but... Oh, no. Charlie Rock is so dope. He'll find 
he'll have another spot going pretty soon. I'm sure of it. Yeah, yeah, and he's about it. He's about it. Like what they say, like about it, about it. Like that's it, Charlie Rock. Charlie, chill out. Yeah, shout out to Charlie Rock too. I'm thinking about. Yo, that yeah, that mixtape. We practiced that. (laughs) We practiced that mixtape at the church forever. That freestyle session joint. Yes. (laughs) Um. So I I I feel like there's a period of time in between the those periods, like because I want to get into you as a DJ or get into DJing and like leaning into DJing. Uh, but I feel like there's, okay, so we got church practice era, and that's 2004 for me to... 2012. Yeah, yeah. So while that's going on, we've 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 had uh, Tunai, we had uh, V and the Vegas Shakedowns, we've had, um, man, a lot of different... The Get Back. I mean, uh, how can I... We talked about the Get Back at... at I've talked, every time I talk to somebody about breaking or just hip-hop in Vegas... I have to mention that because I yes. don't think anybody's ever been to a better party. No. And <laughs> for a B-boy, that was, oh my gosh. Some of my best memories dancing and some of the best I've ever danced was at the get back. For sure. I mean, man, it was. You can go talk for another two hours on that, but. And it, but it, but it was. Mm. Yeah. 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 Like <laughs> the, the Italian chef kiss, you know. Wow. <laughs> yeah. Bellissimo. Yes. Like they say, it was beautiful, man. It was, and it wasn't like, and I'm not saying that this was their thought process or their philosophy, but if you was there getting down, sweet. If you wasn't there getting down, sweet. It was going to be a party yes. regardless. And that allowed us to come in and just have our little little niche. You know, we had a cypher over here. We have a cypher over there. Everybody else dancing around us doing whatever. I'm going to say this word, and I don't mean it in a mean way, doing whatever weirdo stuff they was doing. You know, some people was doing the hustle. Some people doing salsa. Some people just twerking whatever people did you could do it in that room and people would clap for you and you would feel good and the music was insane yep. italian chef kiss again man yes and just <laughs> so yeah shout out to danny boy uh four eyes numbers um john doe john doe eight bits there's a lot of rip rip origin origin rest in peace yeah it was a good dude he was just a good dude in general always got yeah. happy when i saw him yeah, man. And about him, like I remember, I I got to do a party downtown called Off the Wall at Beauty Bar, and it got to be a monthly. And yes, and it started out as me and him being two of the resident DJs. And you know, when Origin was was there, like I really felt like I could play whatever I felt, whatever felt right. Yeah, I didn't feel like I had to play. Um, how do I say this? <laughs> had to play like to make things sound like everywhere else. Yeah. Because yeah. Origin just brought that creative, free energy to where whatever function he was at. I right. remember I'd walk into the get back, for instance, you know, years before, and Origin be playing in the front. I'd walk in one time and he'd be playing, you know, some new wave. And then I'd walk in another time, he'd be playing like Bone Thugs and Harmony. And then I'll walk in another time and he'd be playing James Brown, you know, like he, yeah, just free, creative, feeling it and having everybody on the floor loving it, you know. Yeah, and it always fit like. Yes. It'd be, you know, depending on the, the level of um, what was going on in the back, like either the temperature or like or if it's too much, whatever. I, I would have so much fun, especially later on at night, like kicking it in the front room. Yep. It would be like most people w- would be out in the back, so it would still be crowded up there. But like you know, you had that little stage, like jump off right there, be yeah. up there, or just 
and the vibe was always great, man. Oh, yeah. And so, yeah, so I miss that dude. He was a, he was a dope yeah. DJ, and it was just a cool person. I worked with him. I worked with him at Banana Republic for a while. Oh, work. Randomly yeah. in the stock room. Yeah, yeah. So, um, I hadn't thought about that in years either. Wow. <laughs> Banana Republic. Working at Banana Republic, man, selling ties. And now I'm old enough to be wearing Banana Republic. <laughs> and I feel like I feel like I'm like that's my style yeah, now. Yeah, same. Like, you give me some khakis. <laughs> I'm Jake from State Farm when I leave the house. I remember. I know I'm getting sidetracked, man. But I remember it was a picture you had on Instagram. You had on some uh, New Balances, man, and they was yeah. like they they were like 60, 60 and up. Yep. And I was like, yo, those are fresh. <laughs> Just in my mind, that was how fat. That's you know that's where I'm at right now. Yeah, yeah. So nah for uh, for Halloween one year. You know, and my kids thought it was hilarious, but I was appropriate dad. So got the long white socks with the the new ba- the white new balances and the the button down, you know, plaid shirt tucked in, cell phone holster. Oh man. And then hair combed over <laughs> you know, but balding. But appropriate. And you know what's funny is like in the age bracket, the thing, the first thing that came to my mind, and that's how I knew I was getting in the middle age, I was like, dang, those look comfortable. <laughs> like, those look really comfy. Yeah, they legit are, and they're, <laughs> they're pretty much my, my heavy lifting shoes, so on squat day or deadlift day, I'm rocking the white New Balances. Going in dad Just style. Schooling, in all, schooling all these youngins. <laughs> oh, man. So, I remember, like, um, in that time frame, you, you, you were... Uh, you started playing at some spots here, DJing at some spots here, and then I remember you DJ a lot of jams, and then I remember you were the DJ at jams. I'm like, all right, well, we already knew what it was. But how did you uh, start to transition? Like, I mean, I know you always danced, and you know what I mean, but like, I remember there was a time, and I want to go back because I don't want to gloss over this. I say this all the time. Like, uh, I said it talking about Stingray and RSK, and I, um, I was talking to Dre Live about Ill Style Rockers and uh, Furious Styles, and uh, style elements, a lot of crews. I like always gravitated towards hip hop crews. Like I know you had B boys, um, and then you know you had um, like DJs. Lars was one of the first guys in DJing, and Nico and you, uh, Adrian. I remember we used to sit down and do graffiti. Like like y'all had like writers, and I don't know if you ever had any rappers, like MCs. Yeah, I don't, I don't. James. James. James actually raps. Jazzy, yeah, Jazzy, yeah. yeah. I remember he, had a, he has a music career. I don't know if he still de- does, but I remember he was one of the first guys that branched off into music. And then, so that to me was more comfortable and familiar the atmosphere because I come from a um, hip hop crew background. It's weird, not weird, but it's it was unusual to me to just have a crew that just was b boys. Like you ain't got no poppers, like yeah, you ain't got no poppers, no lockers, like nothing. So. That was one thing that I always liked about people to sun aside from the fact that they was dope and really friendly, you know, like real, real nice guys. Like you said before, like when nobody like um, you were who y'all were. Yeah. And that was that's refreshing because I feel like a lot of times we get caught up in the imagery of what certain things should be or have to be like take off your B-boy costume and go home and just right. kick your feet up like, <laughs> nah, you know, just be who you are. Yeah. So how did you uh, how did you start leaning into it, the, the the DJ thing? So, I mean, it, it goes back to when I first found hip hop, and I really that was what I, that was what I first wanted to do was DJing before I saw the Planet Rock video. But uh, you know, when I heard how DMC and how Run would hype up 
Jam Master Jay and I'd hear him scratching on the records and all that stuff. I was like, that looks cool. That sounds cool. And, you know, you'd see the, the DJ on the OTV raps, you know, standing over everybody and just running the show and, yeah. you know, and making people dance, you know. And I really wanted to do that, but, and I, I didn't know that I could do that <laughs> when I was a little kid. Like, I didn't know that was accessible. I didn't know I, people would actually teach me and learn, and there was a place where I could buy equipment. Yeah. I didn't, yeah. Know, I didn't know about Guitar Center when I was 10 years old. <laughs> Uh, was it uh, Sam Ash? <laughs> Sam Ash or whatever. Yeah, yeah all yeah. those places, man. Yeah, yeah. But, uh, I mean, again, everything, like, I felt like this little tiny bug in this huge world of giants and didn't know that I could be one of them, you know? Right, right. And, you know, that went on for a while, but then, uh, you know, grew up and, you know, my perspective changed, of course. And then right about 16, 17 years old, um, one of the neighborhood friends, a friend of ours, my, my guys who uh, would break, um, my friend Roger had a pair of turntables at his house and you know, he'd, he'd mess around with it. And we were actually for a while part of a, a party crew back in the day. Yeah. And, you know, and I wasn't like deep into it or anything. It was just something that my friends who, who like we went to different high schools. They went to Silverado, I went to Valley. And they linked up with this party crew and the party crew would have us come and dance, you know, and we did like two parties or something. It was something stupid, but, hey. <laughs> but, but, uh, anyway, you know, um, so because of all that, my friend Roger had this, this turntable set up and he, it was like a really old mixer and these Gemini turntables. And, um, and I think he got them from one of the guys in the party crew and he had a few records and whenever I was over at his house, I'd mess around. And unofficially, my first gig was his sister's quinceanera. Hey, that's how you know you started <laughs> off right. You know, we only had like four records and we, and luckily one of them was like one of those uh, hit compilations or whatever from like four years before that right. point. You like, know? A, like, like a now that's what I call music, but yeah, on vinyl. Like, so we'd play that and you know, our transitions probably all stunk and you know, but whatever. So but I was, you know, it was something I knew I wanted to do. And so the first thing that happened after I got home from a mission was uh, my, my best friend from church and the guy who was the best friend at my wedding or my best man, sorry, best man at my wedding. Um, he actually gave me a whole like mobile DJ setup. Woo. And he's like, hey, man, you if you whatever you make, keep give me like what, 10 percent, maybe like, you know. Um, and, uh, so he just gave me speakers. He gave me like the CDJs, this, not CDJs, but like the C Newmark CD setup, And, you know, and so he gave me that. And then shortly after that, I, uh, actually bought my friend Rogers turntables and mixer that mm -hmm. same one. <laughs> and he had it like up in a closet. It was like collecting dust or whatever. And so I bought it from him and, you know, I started, started getting into it and then, Shortly after that, um, you know, I approached Lars about teaching me how to DJ. Right, right. And so he taught me how to, you know, how to DJ for dancers, you know, taught me how to loop the brakes, taught me, you know, the basic scratches and all that stuff. And, and really, I think, you know, he, he's just the all-around gifted artist. Yeah, you know, As yeah. a dancer, he's a good graffiti artist. Yeah. And just the way he approached it was by feel. And that made a lot more sense to me as opposed to like beat counting, you know, counting the BPM. You know, he, he said, you're a dancer. 
feel it like that. Right. And, you know, that made a lot of sense. And so for, for like beat matching and everything like, you know, and keeping time and making sure everything was on time, um, he gave me that piece of wisdom. And then I was able to run with that pretty much throughout my whole, my whole DJ career, you know? Hey, if it ain't broke, don't fix it, man. Right, right. That's, uh, that's um, you know, and it always trips me out. And everybody, like I say, everybody's welcome. Um, but it always trips me out. Like, when you see, like, a producer or a beat maker or a DJ or something, and they ain't, like, not on beat. It's like, I know everybody doesn't have rhythm, but it's, just, it's, it's such an integral part of, of this whole thing is just connecting with the music. And I mean, like, so, like, even for me, like, I never danced or did anything musical until high school. I remember I was at, I think I was, in, like, a junior and I was at a house party with some guys that I had started rapping with. And like, I was bobbing my head and my boy was like, you don't know how to bob your head on beat? And I had no idea that there was a such thing as on or off beat. I was just, you know, <laughs> just wiggling. And, um, but then ever, you know, like once you, it's like you say, it's your nature. So, you know, you dance, it's the music does something yeah. once you're in there. So, yeah, no, and even before I started dancing, like during that time between, you know, watching Rap City or whatever, or listening to my tapes, I'd try to drum along on the table to the song. Yeah. Especially, like, the roots, you know, because I knew they had... Live drums. Yeah, live drums. And so I'd try to drum along with that on the table, you know, not to say I was any good or anything, but, hey. you know, it, it helped me learn that. And so when I started dancing, that's what, you know, my friends first started noticing, and that's really where I leaned towards was really trying to be on the beat and, you know let me be more more like really feeling and being into top rock right right the, mu the music being with the yeah. music i mean people started to translate to what they i guess what they call hitting beats or killing the beat right. man i used to but yeah. i'm i digress yeah uh but for me it all stemmed from and i think for i mean physically i've never been like a super physically able person like i'm not super athletic i played sports but i'm not like you know like athletic or nothing so when i got into breaking uh, the e not the easiest, but the thing that came most naturally to me was top rocking because a most of the time I practiced in a really small space, a room that was probably about like half, you know, like this size long. It was my mom's computer room, and I, we would download. I would download music off Napster or wherever you would download music, and I would just top rock in that room all day, all night. And then also I'm lazy, so it's like training moves I never liked it ever liked it so that was kind of like how I stayed in that lane but yeah. for me I approach everything with the same philosophy that I do top rock and like yeah. my understanding of music so absolutely and that's and that's what I really want to do and lean towards was connecting to the music if I was going to session you know I really want to just jump in there and connect with the music mm -hmm. you know um and yeah at the beginning yeah before like during my high school years and before I left on a mission, I was trying to learn power moves. Problem during high school was I was always lifting for football and I was always sore. Right. So it ain't going to be <laughs> <So> no. <laughs> it wasn't, you know, I wasn't going to be, you know, throwing down flares and, you know, all that. And plus, you know, I'm, I'm built more for football, you know. He's not lying. <laughs> <laughs> I know. And, you know, and I'll say that to that's nothing to brag about, <laughs> you know, but, um, you know, I'm built how I'm built. And so, you know, that 
guided my my path, I guess you could say. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Some things like, and I, I had to be realistic, especially at this age, or but just before I was always trying to be, I had to be realistic about what my body, with not minimal effort, but with let it would take more effort for me to learn how to do an air flare because of the way I'm built, my physical setup. Yeah. Than it is to so. I'm like, okay, I'm naturally gonna do more of this, A, because I can physically do more of this, and this is gonna try probably kill me. Right. So, <laughs> but just like I said, the way I'm built, you know, I'm tall, I'm lanky, I got long legs, I got, you know, or whatever, so it's like my body lends itself better to certain movements. Mm-hmm. And once I found those movements from trying all these movements, I was like, well, I'm gonna just naturally do more of this. So I'm, I'm, I'm kind of in the same boat, you know? Yeah, yeah. For different so, reasons yeah yeah and, and <laughs> but we both yeah and i know some dope tall b-boys and i know some dope big b-boys like yeah. crisis you know oh, uh, yeah. you know i know some dudes that was bigger <clears throat> that was but they're the exception not the rule you right. know <laughs> it's right. like naturally speaking yeah like, and plus my influences too and who i really like when i was watching footage you know when you whenever you can find it of course but when i was watching footage like who would i lean towards you know i would lean towards you know, stuntman. I would lean towards G. Wiz. I would lean towards um, who else had dope flavor back then? Midas. You know, but basically all those you know originally stands alone guys. Right, know? right. Because like every time I'd see them, you know, I'd always like, okay, fast forward through the air flares, fast forward to the flare nineties, fl- dope. You right. Know, like, he stop right here. Oh yeah, that stuntman. And so, you know, and I of course I would try not to to bite their moves. You know, of course, but. You know, there was some, there was at least some influence, though. Right. I'm glad you mentioned that word influence because I neglected that. I made a list of things I wanted to ask you, and that was one of them. So I'm glad we roundabout got to talking about that. Yeah. Yeah. And shout out to those dudes, too, man. I I always liked uh, G Wiz uh, coming up. I always had like a love hate relationship with stunts until I met him because like some of his stuff was just like, again, from the, the school of thought that I came from, I'm like, well, what is he doing? Even though now I'd be looking at it like, oh, he kicking it, you know, yeah. even going back to the old stuff. Uh, but G Wiz always liked his style and, and um, you know, cats like that, like Seth from Circle of Fire, I always yes. really liked, because he was always like mad smooth. I was just like, yo, like, I, I want to be smooth like that. Yeah, Orb. Like, Orb yes. was always dope, you know, like he had, he had some crazy control and, and um, yeah, and it's, you know, it's top, you know, it's top rock and all that, of course. You, a lot of the house dance influence too yeah and a lot of those guys actually kind of pushed me more towards house as well you know yeah. i That's remember there was this clip of uh of remind i think it was at summit 99 or 2000 which one had the red and blue tape 2000 oh man yeah i can't remember one of those in that either 99 there was a clip of him at the after party or something it was like i remember it was remember when cameras had night vision mm. it would be all green and he was housing but it was the smoothest dopest and so I never really had like a difficult time accepting house dancing because it's a dope dance. Yeah. And I lo- I've always liked house music, even before I got into breaking, I like house. So. Yeah, no, same here. So. My mother actually got me into house music. Word? <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> That's what's up. Yeah, she would, uh, so we, we were living in Savannah. No, we were living in Bluffton, but she would work in Savannah, which is like, you know, 20 minute drive. Okay. But um, she would sell roses in the, in the clubs. And so you know, down there, of course, you have the Southern hospitality, you have the Southern chivalry, you have, and so guys would buy roses for their women, you know, right there at the club, or try to get their a girl's attention, you know, <laughs> by buying them a rose, yeah. or, and so, and she, it was really successful there, 
And side note, she tried it here in Vegas. Did not go well. Yeah, we're not handing out. We were. No. I used to go to clubs a lot, and I wasn't handing was, out no room. Was, yeah, that did not <laughs> happen here. It was. It was. I went out with her actually <clears throat> when she tried it because I'd kind of you know hang, tag along whenever I could. You know, little twelve year old me. You know, walking <laughs> in the club with my mom in, in Savannah, Georgia. Um, but yeah, I tagged along with her here and saw it firsthand. Did not work. Yeah, different yeah. vibe, different everything. Yeah. Anyway, so she'd be cool with a lot of the DJs and they'd give her some tapes, you know? And so she brought one home. And of course this is, you know, nineties, you know, when house really took off, Yeah, yeah. you know, and he had, um, you know, like Robin S and, you know, things like that. And, um, you know, a lot of the old Kenny dope stuff and all that. And so, uh, I'd listen to those tapes as well and I got hooked, right? you know? And then what kind of kept me with it throughout my youth was or like in the period where I didn't know anybody and nobody, you know, that I knew was listening or I didn't even know there was a scene or anything in where I was, you know, was you had uh, 91 and a half, 91.5 here in Vegas. You had the college hip hop show. And then right after that was the, was the, I'm going to say electronic music because they played a little bit of everything. They played house, jungle, they played oh. you know, ambient, they played all kinds of stuff. So anyway, that kind of kept me connected to it. And then until, you know, when I started DJing, of course, mostly it was breaks and hip hop, but then also some house too. Right. So, and it's good. Like, and you know, it's, um, and we'll, we'll jump back onto the DJ train because I know we got a little sidetracked, but, um. I, can't, I always had uh, an appreciation for things that felt the way that I felt about, like, because hip-hop is my main thing, right? So I, yeah. I started in hip-hop when I was young, and I've been in hip-hop pretty much my whole life. But, like I was saying earlier about the, uh, the, the BMX thing, or, like, street skating, or, like, I used to go to a lot of raves, and so, like, jungle parties or house music uh, sessions, like, and the guys that I knew that would DJ raves, and, like, I used to be a... a I wasn't a junglist, but I used to MC jungle shows with my homeboy's brother. My homeboy Juan, uh, his brother Dez, used to do parties in Akron, and I would be the MC for his shows. I, I mean, I only did it a couple of times, but to me, their environment felt like my environment. It just sounded and looked a little different. So right. I've always been able to be okay. Like, I mean, like I, I would go to ska parties or we would go to punk shows. We would, I always because it was like their version of what I did. I felt like, and so it's always been yeah I've always been pretty diverse but I do hip hop you know what I mean yeah. like I'm not gonna be on a, I'm not gonna I remember actually we did a ska show one time when I used to rap but it was uh, it was bizarre we had but we had the guy with the trombone with us and it was but saying that to say is that like I guess the rebellious um, rebel music I've always yeah. I've always liked rebel music and the, the subcultures that come with it so yeah same here let's not even get on my metal side oh <laughs> hey yeah so um so you DJing and then your your DJing starts to pick up. I remember I'm like uh, and this is, I mean obviously you know you you we haven't even got into dad life or teacher life or you know all these other lives, but we're we're working our way up the ladder. Uh, talk about like when you I guess leaned more into like you were getting more gigs and doing a lot more stuff like that time period. <clears throat> yeah, so I mean it was pretty much through through Lars, you know, he brought me on to his gig at a uh, V bar at the Venetian where he got to play, you know, um, like underground hip hop, neo soul, you know, things that were kind of groovy. And so, um, he brought me on to that a couple times and, 
you know, from there word kind of spread and some other people showed up and they'd bring me on to, to other gigs and, um, gosh, I forgot the dude's name. Uh, I want to say Travis, but I can't remember. He's from B-Boy Alliance. Buckles? Buckles. Yeah, Travis. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> shout out to Buckles, Yeah, man. shout out to Buckles, man. Good dude. Um, you know, a little misunderstood, but definitely, definitely a good dude, man. Yeah. Good heart. And, um, anyway, he, uh, and he also, he got some, some bars. He got that bar over there off of like Sahara and, uh, the strip. I can't remember the name of it exactly, but. Oh, buddy. Um, like if you're going West on the strip on Sahara yeah. and it's on the right hand side, like yep. right by we, that where we had the James Brown tribute, uh, yep. Yeah, 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 yeah. So he he had me spin that. I had to bring all my equipment, all my records, all that stuff, and uh, and then he also you know did a couple other gigs, and you know I got on that way, and that was those were kind of like my first solo gigs, and then another homie, um, his name was Mike, Mike Ill. I remember Mike. Yeah, yeah. He used to go to the church practices in the early early days, and he threw a jam at. Um, the same place we did that shakedown where we had all the power outages and stuff. Oh, but, um, was that the Italian American club no, or the, or no, the, no. It was the, the hookah? It was the school on um, Bonanza, like the, the Christian school on Bonanza. Oh, oh, okay. But I remember, gosh, it was, there was, so we, we couldn't be inside. We had to be outside, had all this, you know, had my equipment set up and we had to put down wrestling mats cause it was like in the parking lot. <laughs> 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 so bad but yo we were just all of us were still young back then so like it was a little annoying but we didn't care we got down anyway. yeah we're here we're gonna yep. do it so that was that was another one of my first first solo jams and and from there you know just working with Lars and stuff he would get he'd throw me a bone here and there and and so from there just just kept moving up getting my record collection bigger and then finally made the jump to Serato and you know you know, three years after I started DJing, yeah, technology. It's so, just practical. It's just yeah, <laughs> it's practical. Because before, you know, three, four crates of records and my speakers and the amps and you know, the turntables. I, I remember we would have a little squad. I, yep. I remember I helped a couple of times. We have a little squad of people, like two dudes of record crates, a couple yeah. guys with the speaker, the stands, and yeah. it's a big. It's, it's it's a lot going yeah. on. And you know, I'm not saying like, oh, I did that for you know, 15 years or whatever, but you know, I got enough of it to get a taste and to know just how good it was to be able to put all those files, all that music into a little space. So, so yeah. Anyway, so from there, um, I got to do Shakedown and it was the one over at Lahaina. Woo! Yeah. Man. Or no, before that. Before that was the one over at Hookah, Hookah Palace. Hookah Palace. That's the one on Maryland Parkway? Yep. Yeah, yep. 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 <laughs> yeah. Uh, so I did that one and that was probably my first big jam yeah. that I got to do. And apparently I did well enough to get invited again, you know? Yeah. I guess so. so yeah. So from there, it just, it just took off word of mouth, you know, um, being willing to be, be there, be our time. And, you know, so got hooked in with, uh, with shakedown, got hooked in with V and I say that's probably where, you know, I got to put, you know, kind of make a name for myself and where, you know, Soul Rain really got out there as well. And 
you know, from there, things just, it just kind of spread. Yeah, yeah. Know? It's where you're traveling and doing gigs and getting yeah. booked for, I know, was you doing like R16 or you did like a, something like along those lines of uh No, I mean, I did a lot of stuff locally through Ronnie, you know, after, um, you know, getting hooked in with him and hooked in with Full Force and, you know, he definitely helped me, you know, get some really, really cool gigs. Yeah. You know? But that was later, you know. Before that, yeah, I did, um, you know, my first, actually my first out-of-town gig was Alaska. Sure. <laughs> yeah, apparently, I, Sol Rain was supposed to do it, but um, he couldn't make it for some reason, so they booked me, they brought me up there and to Fairbanks, and I think this was 2008, because I remember my wife was pregnant with our first son, so yeah, 2008, and um, yeah, that was an experience, you know. Wait. <laughs> the sun never went all the way down, it was three in the morning and it was still light outside. That's bizarre. That's what I've been used to, but, but yeah, no, it was just a cool experience. And then I got hooked in with, um, the scene from in Utah and did a few jams up there. Got hooked in with, uh, Sacramento, you know, I gotta say, man, um, you know, I want to shout out, uh, this, this, the Utah cats, man, the Salt Lake city hip hop scene. I mean, like, even since you mentioned it, like my homeboy's brother that I was telling you about, Mm -hmm. um, he had a homeboy that uh, I'm gonna forget the name, and it just left my head, and that's annoying. But um, who owned a hip hop record store? Uh, dang, that sucks. In Salt Lake City, um, it's a pretty well known spot now, and I can't remember the name. Uh, I'm drawing a blank too. I know exactly what you're talking about. Um, I want to say the guy guy goes by Street Jesus. Yeah, yeah, uh, and he, he might go by something different now, but um, but yeah. Uprock. Uprock Records. That's yes. right. They, they they used to correspond back in the 90s. And, and um, you know, I think my boy did some jams out there or did some parties for them. and But like AOD and like, yes. um, you know, is it like Killer Gorillas? Aren't they from up there? Or, yep. or Yeah. So they and they used to come down. They would come down deep. Like they would come to our parties. Like and it's always tripped me out, like being in Vegas. Vegas is the entertainment capital of the world. I don't care what anybody says. It'll never be anything different. Not saying that it can't be, but I'm saying it is. There is no place that does anything like Vegas does. But for some odd reason, man, it's always like we it's hard to get the ball rolling in like certain things. Like we have like we have jams and, and sometimes cats will come from Cali and Arizona, but like I would be feeling like, why don't everybody come? Because you come into Vegas, first of all, everybody wants to come to Vegas. And our hip hop is dope. You know what I mean? So but I remember consistently Salt Lake City cats would come down. Yeah. And I know I'm missing some names and I don't do that intentionally. I'm old. I'm middle aged. Right, yeah. <laughs> Just you like know, Yeah, I love me some Salt Lake scene, man. I I really I'd say uh, you know, if there's another scene outside of Vegas, you know, and definitely no no offense to anybody, of course. You know, everybody's been really hospitable and, and really nice. But Salt Lake just feels like a, a second home as far as my hip-hop side and house side as well yeah you know yeah. and i guess it helps that i have family and friends there already outside the scene <laughs> right, right. There's a little second home home away from yeah, home, home away from little. home yeah yeah so shout out to them man and um you know like i say i definitely uh i, I don't want to not include or, or you know misrepresent any of the because i know consistently they was always down here yeah. every sh- and, every shakedown and they were every. dope I mean, yeah freaking mig dis ali uh, ali like Ali and Ali's still killing it. Yeah, he's getting he's getting better. Like how you yeah, get, how like, you got better and you you know like you <laughs> he's getting close to our age, man. Yeah, he's, 
like Tom Brady, man, just keeps getting better. Right. Like, and still, like, and still can, and, and, you know, I think physically we discount what we can do, but he's still at competitive level. Like, yeah. he'd be making it to the finals in a lot of jams and winning stuff. And I'm like, yep. Yeah. He's a talented cat that continues yeah. to work hard and yeah. work smart. And yeah. So, yeah, definitely shout out to Salt Lake scene. Yeah, man. Wow. So you're traveling, you're DJing, you're DJing here, you're doing a lot. And since we on the subject, you're a family man. You know, you said your your first son, which I just, that just really, I had like a spark plug pop in my brain when you said 2008 was when he was born. Because that means he is either 13, about to be 14, or he's already 14. And that means that these gray hairs didn't come from nowhere. Yeah. So. <laughs> yeah, no, I'm, yeah, if I if my beard grew out a little more, you'd see him definitely. And if I didn't have this hat on too, you could see him. That's off the hook. Yeah. Like, yeah, he's about to be 14. He started his freshman year of high school. That's off the hook. Guillaume's daughter started uh, as a freshman year, year, this year, too. Gosh. What the heck? And also, <laughs> so we talked about it. You're a super-duper family, man. You got, a, you got a tribe going. Yep. Got six kids, people. Yep. I'll give you a second to process that. <laughs> yep. Let that sink in. And then also I'm taking care of my baby sister. Yeah. So that's seven kids we got to feed at the house. Mm-hmm. But uh, but they're great, man. I mean, all credit to my wife because, Word. my goodness, that woman is a saint. <laughs> wow. Not only that, but you know, I think it helps, too, that we're both educators. And so yeah. not only do we get the theory and the practice and you know all that other stuff, but then also we get a feel for... You know, what happens if parents take a certain path with their kids? Right, right. You know, and I'm not going to, and I definitely will never judge a parent on what they do, you know, um, except for like in the worst cases. But for the most part, you know, parents are trying their best. Yeah, everybody's doing the best they can with what they have most of the time. Most of the time, yes. I mean... And, you know, I see it in my classroom. I see it. My wife sees it in her classroom. So, and so but anyway, taking that perspective into our own home, you know, we, we definitely decided that we wanted to raise our kids a certain way. Right. And then also we have our, our spiritual side as well that we wanted to include. And that is, you know, the backbone of, of how we raise our kids yeah. and like we were talking about earlier before we uh got on uh, i'll say on the air but before we started recording you know it's like not to get too deep into it because i know that there's certain topics in conversation that make people uncomfortable and are also points of contention so i try to keep those broad in general but saying that to talk about your personality type the way that you i've had interactions with you over the years and now with you saying that that's you know what you're taking to your classroom and what you're taking to your household it's because really at the end of the day, it's like it boils down to what type of person do you want to be? And if I say I want to be this person here, I should be this person in all areas of my life. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like this last year specifically has taught me a lot in that, you know what I mean? Like like behind closed doors or in front of the doors, I'm trying to be the same person. And I also want that person to not suck. Not saying anybody sucks, but I'm saying that like I'm starting to learn how to be more mindful of how my interactions could possibly leave somebody with a, a certain picture of me or change their their life you know like um you've known me for a long time and i have again like i say i've said this a bunch of times because it's the truth i have not always been the easiest person to get along with whether i was in one frame of mind or the other you know what i mean so like looking back on that 
all the conflict. I mean, I'd have been in an argument and or possibly almost a fight with at least 40% of the community here in Vegas. So hey, that pushes me into a place of gratitude for people even being willing to come and sit down and talk to me. And then also being like, man, like, you know, like, I don't want to be that dude. Regardless of what that dude, you know, what the circumstances were at the time, like, I know what kind of dude I want to be now. I don't have kids, but if I did, I would have to be mindful of that and how I raise my kids because, like you say, eventually they're going to be adults. And the pathway that we walk them down now is going to dictate either A, the type of person that they are for their whole adulthood or the type of work that they're going to have to do to unlearn some of that not so great stuff that we imparted on them because we didn't know no better. So, so yeah, yeah shout out, I mean, shout out to y'all for doing that, man. That's a, that's a, that's an amazing thing. We're trying, man. And, you know, going back to, going back to the scene, going back to the artistic process. And I think that applies, you know, to a lot of things, you know, and how even as a person, just like your dance style or the direction of the scene, it's going to evolve. It's going to change. You're going to react to your influences. And so as a person, you know, you have to give yourself that space to grow and to learn and to, you know, forgive yourself for your past mistakes and just continue to evolve and change. And hopefully you incorporate some positive influences in there and also your inner dialogue. Hopefully it's, it's, you, you can, turn it more positive i'll be having to tell him to be quiet sometimes yeah. my inner dialogue like look man <laughs> yeah. i just woke up like <laughs> yeah yeah and something you know a lot of the a lot of times the person you have to you know struggle the most with to change is yourself yeah you know and yeah. awareness of the need to change is a huge thing because before i just thought that was normal yeah. i thought that being like that on the inside and the outside was just kind of how yeah. it was going to be yeah and and also just accepting the fact that nobody is perfect our ideals are perfect, but nobody is is perfect. Yeah, and being able to accept that, but then also still just try the best you can. And I'm trying now to give people that space. And you know, I've always tried to not be judgmental with people. That's something my mother definitely instilled in me through example. You know, yeah. she she struggled with her own demons for sure, and. She also brought some interesting characters to the house. <laughs> just say it, just leave it at that. Yeah. But, you know, she she befriended people and did her best to love people all the same. Right. And then that, that belief that only got even more solidified through, you know, my spiritual side and through what I've learned, um, through what I found, you know. And so... You know, I'm never going to say that, you know, you need to do exactly what I did and find and go to exactly where I go. But that's just where, you know, whatever your belief is, that's where, you know, the universe, chance, you know, right. Allah, whatever you got, whatever, you know, whatever higher power is out there. That's that's where it led me. Yeah. And and I feel like some of the things that happened are conf confirmation of that. Yeah, and I think um, I went through the, the gambit of, you know, ins and outs and is it or isn't it or all that stuff to be where I am now. And I'm grateful to be where I am now. Uh, but like, again, like I said, talking about people like you and people that are people 
um, who exemplify what I feel these certain, if you want to call it, if, you're, if it's a particular religion or a philosophy of thought or a doctrine or whatever you need to do, whatever you're using to make you better in your daily life, if it's working for you, sweet. Yes. It's not for do me that. to say which More one. That. Yeah. <laughs> I'm not going to say who's up and who's down, right or wrong, but it's like, but if you suck, no offense, I don't want to say anybody sucks, but if you suck, you can't, just like you can use it to, to you know, to, um, big yourself up you also got to take a look at like well if i say i'm gonna be this type of person and this is what this type of person is supposed to be why am i like this you know and that is you know i know and even now like it's the more i learn about human psychology and trauma and mental illness and personality disorders the harder it is for me to be mad at people or say they suck Yeah, and I'm sorry. That's no, a, no, no, no. I mean, sorry. Like, I hope that didn't come off. No, no, pretentious. No. I, I did not mean it like that. Like, I'm, I'm saying it to like to to be on the same page with you of like I have to remember how like I say things and how people perceive things is different, and I I'm trying to be mindful of that. Not like I say, oh, this sucks, but saying of like like you said, you know, like um, it's about more. Everybody's coming from. Like, if I look at my road in life from point A to now and like, oh, dang, you know, like, this is why I'm this way and whatever, whatever of certain things, I have to be able to, like you say, being, uh, be accepting of the fact that somebody else is coming from where they're coming from right. and that creates behaviors. And so, like, you know, yeah. it's, it's, it's definitely, it's, I can't say, just like we talk about music or art or dance, I, I, I try not to say something is whack just because I don't like the style of it. And so it's the same thing with personality styles. I don't say that, oh, this person sucks because they this, that, and the third. I have to be like, it's different. Yeah, yeah. I don't connect with it. Right, right. Kind of like me and my old way of viewing, you know, pop music or, you know, all that stuff. I just I just don't connect with it. Yeah. You know, it's mm-hmm. you know, it's it's good in its own sphere. And if it if it brings you joy and if it helps you reminisce or if it helps you heal, then go for it yeah you know it's not what i'm gonna listen to (laughs) but you know but then again you might not feel the same way about my stuff and that's and that is okay yeah and that's and that's where we um i think as people excuse me i'm just drinking water i don't know why i'm burping so much but (laughs) i think that's where we as people need to find the consensus of i can let you do your thing yep if you let me do my thing and then we can find a lane where we can do things. I'm like, okay, so using music, I may not turn on the, the latest, um, you know, uh, Megan Thee Stallion record at home by myself at seven. Right. And you might not turn on Eric B and Rakim, Don't Sweat the Technique, or you know. But it's like, if it makes you, like you said, if it makes you feel good, and you kicking it, and you get that, you know, that spirit of like, yeah. That I I like that you like that. If you like it, I love it. Like they say where I come from, like. If it makes you feel good, and I see the feeling good is what's important to me. Like, yeah. oh, you kicking it. I don't get it, but you kicking it. Just mm-hmm. like you look at me and I'm top rocking it. I had a little top rock session in my room the other day. I, somebody looking, they probably think I was out of my mind. Like, what's he doing, old man? What is? But if I'm kicking it, then like, oh, I, I I like that you like it. Yep. So, yeah. So um, let me see what we we covered that we did the DJ thing we talked about we um we we talked about the family thing I I want to I know family is so I'm just grateful that you know we, we got the chance to express it 
Um, let's talk about, because I know um, we pushing, you know, in the time thing, but let's talk about briefly your education, how you got into being a teacher and how your like how it connects to just like your personal philosophy as a whole. And then we'll talk about like present and future stuff and then we'll close it up if that's cool. Yeah, for sure. Oh man. So <clears throat> yeah, switching gears. Yeah. But uh so teaching I settled on that. I shouldn't say settled, but I made that decision, you know, after I came home from Venezuela. I enjoyed the connection I had to um, Latino culture. You know, I say Latino just because, you know, everywhere in Latin America, you know, wherever you're from. And so I, and I got to experience firsthand and be, and be with people, be in the neighborhoods. And I just enjoyed that, that feeling. And so I uh, decided on Spanish teacher because I can at least capture some of that, at least a little part of that, you know, in my classroom or at least feel connected to that. And so that motivated me to be able to then, you know, survive college <laughs> and, you know, and working full time. Yeah. You know, so that was that was a struggle. But, um, you know, because in high school, I really like if I applied myself, I could get A's in classes, but I wasn't the best student. Right. Know? Right. And plus and also another and influences my my philosophy is the fact that, you know, as a kid, you know, I had a lot of. Um, mental health issues that I didn't know about until I actually learned what they were and, and could, you know, be able to put them into words. Right. You know, a lot of stuff was going on at that time. My mother was fighting her demons. And so, and so that kind of influences my philosophy now, but anyway, you know, I'll touch on that in, in a second, but, um, so, you know, it took me a little longer working full time. And then also in the middle of that, you know, having my, uh, my oldest son and my oldest daughter. And then also my third son was born when I had, when I was doing my student teaching and working full time, which was probably the hardest four month stretch of my life. <laughs> yeah, Cause yeah. you know, you had to wake up, you had to teach full time, you know, and then to my full time job, which was a, you know, it was a dispatcher for school police at the time. Okay. So, and, you know, it paid the bills really well, paid my tuition. You know, and gave you a little something extra to go buy some records with. You know? Right, yeah, a little, a little treat. <laughs> yeah, so, um, so did that, and um, and so I don't know. I, I don't. Know, I just feel like maybe to sum it up, and what we all kind of understand would be to say like I wanted to give back. Um, you know, because working for like being a salesman didn't appeal to me at all. You know, something where it was like a service job, you yeah. know, like providing a, a community service was something I really wanted to do. Because um, I had tried sales before. I was not feeling it. You know? <laughs> and no offense if you're, you know, if you're a salesman person and that, that drives you and that gets you up in the morning. Cool. It's just not my vibe, you know. So I want to do a service job. Decided on Spanish. That motivated me enough to get through all the schooling all that the late nights the you know um student teaching and, and working full-time while having you know a young baby. kids yeah while having three babies <laughs> and babies uh, don't have all switches i don't know if they, they do yeah. not and developed a lot of patience through that 
And um, probably the, one of the most valuable lessons I had to learn was to completely um, consecrate yourself to being a parent. Mm-hmm. It's not an accessory. It's, it's not an accessory. It is who you are yeah. after you have a child. And, you know, and the more I accepted that, the the easier it became, you know, because I wasn't trying to wasn't trying to fight, you know, what I wanted to do versus what the kids needed, you know. Right. And right. I'll say at first, yeah, that was a, that was a definitely a struggle. But I learned that through that process of schooling, working and then my kids being born. And so after I graduated, um, start, I, I knew I, you know, I, I got a job out of school out in Summerlin or no Henderson and was kind of like, you know, I mean, this is cool. You know, I get along well with the kids, but I definitely want to work closer to where I grew up. Yeah. Yeah. So I got a job at Chaparral high school, which is just one school zone over from Valley high school school zone where I went. So a very similar, um, demographic, and I've been there for, for 10 years now. And Dang. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And, uh, you know, it's been challenging. It's been fun. I've, I've, there's, for most of the time there, I ran Diversity Club, which was the hip-hop dance. And at first I was trying to do DJing, but the kids kind of gravitated more towards the dance aspect. And so, you know, and then from there, I really had to open my mind up to to all styles and to the newer dance styles that were coming out and and the way the the students viewed it and the music they used and, and so I know this flies in here like <laughs> Buddy is getting it in man like <laughs> but no um but yeah uh so anyway incorporating some of my hip hop in there and <clears throat> and also you know trying to get my 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 kids plugged into the scene, you know? Right. Um, one of my students, you know, from a few years ago, Diamond, you know, she got really into the crump scene. Okay. And, you know, she found a really strong voice through that and through expression and also doing her photography thing. So shout out Diamond. Yeah. And then, uh, but, um, but in the classroom, you know, you're juggling, all kinds of different things, you know, and you're juggling, of course, the curriculum and, you know, grading, but also the behaviors. And then also, you know, being perceptive to kids that might need that might need a little extra help either with their work, obviously, but then also any, um, you know, I've had students with their assignments, write, You know, write things that hinted at suicide and, you know, and being, you know, perceptive of that and being able to get them the help they need and realizing over the years that, you know, there's, there's a reason behind their behaviors. They're not just acting out, acting out. They are, you know, there's, they're struggling and then putting the pieces together with how I struggled and how I didn't know what to call it. I didn't know what was happening to me and then seeing how my kids, some of my students, some of my students acted and, you know, just putting those pieces together and just trying, just trying to be a positive influence, you know, 
And it's weird. I'm not weird, but it's interesting you say that. I just uh, I had to decline because I knew I wouldn't pass the background check because of again, like I said. But I, I just applied and and got accepted to work at a, as a youth mentor at a, a residence uh, out past Prim. Uh, I would be okay. staying there four days a week and and being a youth mentor. And I I really wanted to do that job because I do believe that kids, no matter what walk of life or situations that they've been in, deserve to be around adults who understand that pointing a kid in the right direction is, is, I mean, helping people and being good people in general, but especially as it applies to people like kids and, you know, it's like, cause they don't know anything, well, not anything, but they don't know life yet. Yeah. And so their experiences with the adults in their life, it deserves to be mostly positive, if not all positive, because it'll shape them to be the adults that they are. And like you say, like, when you're a kid, you don't know that there's a word for this feeling, and you don't know that this behavior is not okay that's happening to me. And right. I don't want to talk about specifics because my mom has a, a really close friend uh, that's a social worker. She works for CPS, and I know she goes through it. And oh, yeah. just in dealing with kids and, and their interactions with adults, it's like, I just want to watch cartoons, or I only know that this, you know, like, I don't know nothing about none of this, and it's being projected upon me because of, of adult life. So... Yeah, man, that's a good that's a good uh, attitude and philosophy to take into the classrooms because, like you say, especially like like we talked about before, you know, like your day is broken down in segments. Kids spend just like we spend at work. That's their they spend at school, eight hours a day from the time that they're six years old until the time that they're eighteen. The bulk of their formation of what they feel about people around them, uh, you know, their behaviors, their attitudes, their actions, all of that. A lot of that comes from being at school like they mm -hmm. spend as much time at school as they do at, at home right you know so it, it's it's um my mom was a teacher and she you know she retired a few years ago and she was one of those other people that i could say as a teacher it genuinely cared about the well-being of kids and i think that's really important man to oh, be yeah. in that field not only so you could tolerate their little butts but <laughs> you know just to you know like you said yeah and i've learned to take to deflect that energy and not take it personal and and that carries over everywhere, you know, but, um, but yeah, so I was just thinking, you know, thinking about those behaviors that even teenagers show, it's like, it's kind of like, a, you have to trick yourself back into remembering that they're kids because they look like, like adults. Yeah. But, and so your, your first instinct is to treat them like that. But I was just thinking, okay, why does my 10 month old son cry? He can't say dad. Uh, can you change my diaper or mom? I'm hungry. Can you feed me something? Pardon me, sir. Would you please <laughs> make prepare me a sandwich, please? No, like they cry, you know, because they don't have the facilities to say what what they need. Right. And that happens again a lot in the teenage years, you know, because now you're dealing with that transition between child and adult. And that whole messy time in between, you have feelings and, and thoughts and all these things that you don't know how to process and don't know how to put words to and don't know how to ask for help in a way that's socially acceptable. Right. You know, and not only that, but, you know, a lot of kids are dealing with extra stuff on top of that with their family or with their neighborhood or with whatever. Yeah, yeah. So it's, it's a very tough time and really understanding that and being able to understand that it is a very difficult place these kids are in is a way to then 
understand them better and then serve them better. And it's, I mean, just putting myself back in high school, like the intensity of the pressure of not, I didn't care about the scholastics of it, of like, don't roast my sneakers today. Yeah. <laughs> like it's life or death. Yep. Like that, the kid, I, I, um, the kids that live, I, I run a, a room in a family house. So she has a couple, or they have five kids. And so they're, they just started school. Right. And it was first day fit check. And I was like, man, I, you, the level of importance. I remember, I think it was like eighth grade or ninth grade. My mom didn't have enough money for me to go school shopping before. And I had to go to like the first day in a fit that what not even wasn't even a ball or fit. It was already like a bum fit. And it was from last year. Oh no. Like the terror of <laughs> yes. being like, yeah, that feeling somebody's going to get at me. And that's like, that's your world. Yep. So, you know, like, yeah. And then on top of it, like you said, home life, um, whatever other chemical, mental, physical, psychological situations might be going on with them. Uh, not knowing why do I feel this way towards this person or not feel this, you know, like with the boy and girl thing or yeah. the boy and boy thing, or whatever thing, yeah. the, the chemical, you know, all that's coming in. And then somebody's in your face, like, you got to learn how to do this. Cause you're going to be an adult soon. You got to get a job. You got to, it's like, yo, yes. So yeah. So I, I get that. It's, yeah. uh, and it's nice to have people around that are receptive and sensitive to the fact that adult life is, I, I mean, adult life's hard. Oh yeah. But also, like, it's 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 a tough time. Yeah, the as an adult, you don't have that same social pressure that you did in, in high school. <sighs> Nothing like it. Nothing like it at all. And you know, yeah, it's a lot to process at that age. And so, and not that I not that I pity them or anything, or not that I'm always like trying really hard to you know break through the shell or anything. But you know, if I can. If there is a kid who's putting forth obvious help me signs, but can't say it, you know, then I try, you know, try to reach out to that kid, you know, or, you know, even if it's just something small, like, you know, with my raceable marker writing on the desk, like you good, you know, like little things like that. Yeah. You know, and then if they choose to tell me cool, if not, you know, at least they know that somebody's checking up on them. Right. You know? Right. Yeah. And that's a big thing. Like, um, not to spend too much time on the subject but you know it's like in in distressing situations sometimes sometimes people gravitate towards people they're comfortable with family members but if it's a family member that is a distressing situation it's nice to know that you got somebody in a semi-familiar setting that you can like go to yeah because sometimes it feels like a lot of times there's you just got nobody like you know, like i ain't got nobody to talk to nobody's gonna understand or nobody's gonna care or nobody's gonna want to listen why you know like it's a lot it's a lot and so that's a big deal man and as as an educator like you said mm -hmm. um that's just another like like people don't give man people don't give teachers enough credit man like having watched my oh, mom man. go through hers like it's it's not like oh you clock out and well i'm gonna take my jacket off and sit nope. down and this nah. you take this job everywhere with you and you wear it Everywhere, <laughs> you know yeah and or at least that's the way it feels you know and um yeah it's it's a lot i was just gonna leave it at that it's a lot yeah and, and now we can see like what happens when people leave the profession in mass and now we're dealing with you know 1500 teachers short for clark county school district 
classroom size you know, we're trying to the roof um well actually no like my classroom sizes this year at least are actually pretty manageable okay but you know the other two um classes in my department as well as some others you know you, we're having to you know plug in people on their prep period and have them take over for a period and then you have a different person for a different period and so you know um we're, we're just kind of scrambling around trying to do the best we can with what we got which is what we do yeah <laughs> and i mean it takes a lot to uh i mean to suit up and show up man shorthanded you know i mean i know it pays all right but it's like it could pay good you know but and so yeah shout out to i know delgado is back in school this year yep. i know coco is a teacher as well educator as well you know yep. we got a couple of people in the hip-hop but that's you know that's that's um another thing that we embody in the community is the ability to impart knowledge man like it's a you know what they say each one teach one and we learn most of our like you say with dj and we learn most of our skills from another practitioner of this mm -hmm. so we uh we kind of have um a leg up on teaching people what we know you know so that's i think it's really dope man it's a dope field to be in and um yeah i can see you being an all right teacher man i can see you being a good teacher <laughs> yeah i've been known to uh i don't know how do i say this without sounding weird <laughs> but like but uh you know um man i don't even know how to put it just uh you know cut up in class maybe a little bit more than the kids <laughs> yeah but just uh but for the sake of keeping their attention and you know giving their mind just a little bit of rest before we jump back into everything you know right so i guess I don't know. Something that's been on my mind was what a kid told me a few years ago. It was before the pandemic. And I don't know how we got on the subject talking about it as a class, but he said, you know, I feel like you of all the teachers really understand us. Hmm. And out of, I don't know, I could have started crying right there. Hey. <laughs> but, you know, and, and definitely not to toot my own horn because I'm definitely not teacher of the year. But at least if I can have that, that keeps me showing up. That kept me showing up last year when things were really rough behavior wise with the kids and, you know, and through the, you know, bureaucratic part of it and through the, you know, the lower pay than you probably should get like little things like that. That little comment kept me going, you know, and keeps me going. Yeah. And lets me know that, hey, you know what? You know, you should stay at this. You know, I've thought about leaving. I've tried to do other things. And, you know, I just feel like those other things really aren't my calling. You know, right. this is my calling. And when that kid said that, it, uh, it confirmed that. Yeah. It, it, I mean, like, it's a way for it to pay off. You know, it's like, yeah. cause you're like oh, I'm making a difference. Because, you know, it's, and like we were saying before, and spiritually and, and just in life and also in this setting, it's like, the goal is to reach people in a positive way and put them in a better place that they were than they were when they walked in the door. Yeah. You know? So it's like, I had this, I mean, not to get too in depth on it, but I had this, like this thought popped in my head a couple of weeks ago that really helping other people is like the most important thing that you can do in life. Yeah, absolutely. And that doesn't necessarily mean break your back or like spend your last dollar or anything like that. But what can I do? Yep. And so you're in a, you're in a multiple fields, you know, where you can do those things. And so it's like, well, 
to see that it sh it's it's working, you know, it's like, oh, it's working. It's a good feeling, man. And because and, you don't know how many people uns because kids are not notoriously like tell you you cool. Right. And especially not <laughs> yeah. in high school. Especially not in high school. So to have one kid like break the veil, the, the, the omerta, the code of silence and be like, hey, you know what, man, you all right. It's like, oh. So we got a couple more minutes, man, and uh, I want to just talk a little bit about, like, if anything, what you got going on now and plans for the future as it pertains to anything hip-hop related or community building related. What What's on the table for you right now and in the near future? Oh, man. Um, wow. So I'm still working with, uh, with Ronnie and with District and, you know, still DJing the jams for him. So, so we're... Uh, you know, so anything we got going on there, I can't even remember the next jam we have going on, <laughs> but, but yeah, just, uh, stay tuned, stay tuned with district, um, support your, your B-boys who are mentoring the youth. I know we have a lot of good programs here in Vegas, you know, of course, shout out to Battleborn and what they're doing with the youth. And, yep. <laughs> absolutely. <laughs> and, uh, man, by the way, lineage, man. Wow. I know, right? Goodness gracious. Boy, it made me mad. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> he's, he's dope. Atien, man. I don't know. I don't know what he's feeding that kid, but wow. But uh, yeah, shout out to him. Shout out to what's going on at District with you know with Full Force and um, of course um, Break Ninjas and all that stuff. And yeah, just um, you know they're reaching out. They're teaching youth. They're bringing them up right. They're really you know doing a good thing. Um, so. Not really going on with me, but you know, if you have, if anybody has a chance to give back to the community, take it. Word, you know, for sure. That was what I mean. Really, that's what it's all about now. Yeah. You know, I mean, and I know, I know there's going to be a mass land grab with the like the uh, the Olympics and stuff, and everything's going in that. You know, there's a lane for that now, but even still, that's what it's like. Like you say, I'm not gonna I'm not gonna be breaking for gold in my old butt. <laughs> you know what I mean? So. Yeah. Um, I did just get the signal, so we're gonna have to wrap it up. But uh, do you, you uh, do you have any shout outs before we head out, man? Man, just shout out to anybody who's ever shown love or dapped me up at a jam. Thank you. Right, it means a lot. Uh, shout out to the entire Vegas scene. You know, if you've ever supported any of my jams, any of my mixes, man, much love. I'm not gonna name names because I know I'm gonna forget somebody. You know, I, I don't want to do that. So just, you know, if you've shown love, you know who you are. If you've supported, if you've downloaded, if you've played, you know, my mixes, whatever, shout out. If you've danced at a jam I was spinning at or at a party I was spinning at, much love to you. Word, word. And uh, for me, uh, same thing, man. I, uh, I'm grateful that you came down. This is a good conversation. It always seems like when, when I sit down, I'm like, man, two hours? I don't know what we're going to talk about. And then we start talking, and I'm like, two hours? I need two more hours. Like, <laughs> But uh, I'm, I'm grateful for you coming down, man. Thank you. Um, Thank you, man. Hopefully, I'll be, a, be able to have a chance in the near future to support some stuff that you're involved in or with the district. I don't get over there at all. I don't get anywhere at all, really. I went to um, the Alchemy studio for the first time this year, and it's been open, I think, almost two years or something like that. But... So, yeah, shout out to everybody who's supporting, uh, who's listened, or who I've had a chance to meet, interact with, uh, build with, dance with, rap with, sing with, grow with in the last 25 years that I've been a part of this culture. Um, 
And uh, stay tuned for more dope interviews, more trips down memory lane, uh, more philosophy, and some changes on the horizon that I'm working on now. Uh, Peace and respect to y'all. Be safe. And um, yeah, that's all I got. All right, peace. Peace.